We are in a moment where the landscape of staffing, the landscape of the type of talent that you can attract and how you attract them is radically changing and you have two options. You can move forward and learn and change and adapt, or you can put it on the list of reasons why your business is harder to do than everybody else's. And for businesses to succeed, it's going to be attracting the very best talent you can and doing everything you can to keep them. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world. You're now one simple tip, practical tool, and small step away from growing your business. One Next Step is brought to you by Belay, the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less. Modern staffing from Belay. And now to your hosts. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm LZ. Today, I'm going to talk to my friend, co-host, and Belay's senior marketing manager, Ryan Fitzgerald. Ryan came to us from North Point Ministries here in Atlanta and has a lot of experience finding unique staffing solutions for his organization while learning to embrace the transition to a remote, hybrid culture. Today, he's going to walk us through the many benefits of a hybrid workplace, share with us his experiences, and talk about why some leaders are often hesitant to make the change. But before we start, I'd love to tell you a little bit about Belay. With modern staffing from Belay, businesses and leaders can focus on growth without the unnecessary overhead or learning curves associated with hiring and onboarding full-time employees. Belay is the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with our virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less, and get back to what only you can do, growing your business with modern staffing from Belay. All right, guys, let's dive into the conversation. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Elsie. It's funny to be in this seat. This is a different seat for me, so I'm excited for today. I know. Is it bad that I'm, ha, 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 I'm looking forward to it? <laughs> well, you can ask me anything you want now, so yeah, no, oh, put me on the true. hot seat, I guess. I like being in charge. I like being in charge. No, I'm going to take it easy on you, so don't worry. Don't worry. That's very kind. Um, but you know, I mean, you do this, you're usually over here with me, so um, let's start out by asking you a fun question. Okay. You've worked in church for years, so with that, what is the most... Let me think about this. Maybe most unique moment you've ever experienced at church. Oh, gosh. Yeah, no, I spent almost 15 years working at North Point uh, here in Atlanta and um, like a very successful, large, large church. And one of the most unique things I got to do was help start one of our new kind of campuses on the east side of Atlanta. It's taking kind of a big suburban model and, and bring it in town to a kind of artsy in town neighborhood. And um, so, yeah, we we opened on the campus of Emory, which is right across from the CDC in, in a hotel for a while, like a ballroom oh, at wow. the Emory Conference Center. Yeah. And um, we were meeting there every week. And so like the very first week we open up and this wasn't just, you know, there are a lot of different types of church models and, and portable things, but this was more like a, a concert. It was like two full tractor trailers worth of equipment. Oh my gosh. Midnight yeah. load in and the whole thing. And and while we saw some crazy things, had to clean up from some of the most insane weddings. There was like a wedding where everyone was dressed as clowns one time and all sorts oh of stuff. But my, my, it was pretty wild. But my favorite thing. <laughs> Let's take thing, that one offline. I need to hear about that one. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you about that later. I wish I had pictures. Uh, but no, my very favorite thing was we open up very first day. 
we have our kind of elementary environment, the kind of the environment for the kids set up over on one side of the hotel, right next to the pool. And as parents are checking in their elementary age kids, these four large burly German scientists who were there to work with oh. the CDC walked through on the way to the pool in Speedos oh. and uh, a towel around their neck. And it's just like, yeah. hey, welcome to church. Welcome to church on day one. <laughs> And these like very thick German accents of these guys kind of walking towards the pool. And uh, that was when I realized we were going to have all sorts of really unique experiences. But no, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> and we got to um, I got to do a lot of cool things and, and um, later move into a old church building and rehab it, which was really oh, neat. And um, so lots of cool stuff. But yeah, no, I, the, the big burly German scientist. Uh, oh that gosh. was probably one of the most unique things. I had to figure out how do you create a great customer experience. <laughs> Uh, when that is what you're walking through. So. Wow, wow. Well, I have to stop and say, you know, I my mom lived in Germany for a while, and the Germans do have a really good sense of humor. So I'm wondering, did they see all those signs promoting church and think, you know what, why don't we have a little bit of fun here? <laughs> you know, they have interesting choices of swimwear as well. So, it, it, uh, yes. you know, it was a statement, yeah. and I think they did have fun, so I don't blame them. <laughs> But. No, I, hey, when you have that much confidence in yourself, I mean, I applaud you. I, I really do. Uh, good for them. Good for yeah, them. No, that's amazing. I love that. I, that was a good laugh for today. I appreciated that. <laughs> um, well, just give us a quick overview of what you are talking about. I know you spent some time on the road. I know that you're sharing and really starting good conversations around how um, staffing is changing now after the pandemic. And so there's a couple of different, you know, words being thrown around, whether it's flexible or hybrid. Uh, here at Belay, we like fun terms, so it's modern. You know, tell me a little bit more about that and what you're sharing with folks. Yeah, and the, the whole idea of approaching staffing from a more modern, you know, idea, rethinking the way that we staff our teams, embracing some of these cultural trends was something we had to figure out at Decatur City a long time ago um, because we were kind of starting this newer model. It was a scaled down model. And it was like, hey, where do you where do you rethink the way that you slice and dice your budget? And for us, it was the S&B line item. It was like the first place to start. And so we, uh, you know, we really had to think about that. And I think what we're seeing in, in the industries now is a more wide scale embracing of that. But hybrid really means to me, uh, and really to us at Belay, fractional, which is like you mm -hmm. only hire what you need, um, and virtual, which opens up sure. the options to all sorts of new talent and ways to solve problems. So when we say hybrid, we mean a remote workforce for the roles that it makes most sense. And, yeah, um, you know, yeah. what we're seeing across the board with that is when you embrace the the new way to you know new ways to hire new ways to solve problems um, you get a greater impact you maximize mm -hmm. efficiencies you foster long term commitment and honestly it ends up preventing turnover and so when you say modern it really does mean like hey a new solution to an old problem that has better solutions has better outcomes yeah. than the previous way to staff did you know on one hand I um, why well, shouldn't say that on every single hand and foot I hate it that it took a pandemic to bring remote work and that sort of idea of modern and, and flexible to the forefront. Um, but I'm also excited because this is something that we had been embracing for years and really talking about. And through this, um, this activity that's happening in the world right now, you are given the opportunity and the platform to talk about it. Uh, do you find it surprising how quickly um, organizations have sort of adopted this? 
you know, Belay 10 years ago when it started really pioneered this idea of virtual workforces. And, uh, you know, I was in a role at North Point at the same time that we partnered with some of the early versions of Belay to pioneer some, you know, virtual groups, directors and resourcing other churches with things like that at the time, which was a, you know, and that was like my first introduction to that way back then. But what is wild is if you look at stats in 2017, 5.2% 5.2% of staff worked from home. And here in 2022, the number is now 53%. That's an entire decimal point in less than five years. Wow. I think you need to repeat that. So 5%. Yeah, 5.2. 5% of people worked at home in 2017. Just 2017. Oh, my gosh. And mind you, Belay's been doing this five years before that. But only right. you know 5% of people at home. And now over half and growing. And the stats are showing this is not just a response to the pandemic. My belief and what we're really seeing is this just really sped up a trend that was happening in society, a societal trend, a sociological trend. People are rediscovering their values and how they want to engage with things. Technology mm-hmm. has facilitated the ability to do more from different places in different ways. And we've seen this over time. You know, a few years ago, the whole idea of results-only work environment, that was like a big trend in a lot of corporations moving away from clocking in and clocking out. We've seen the workforce changing over time. But what we've seen in the last five years is what I think is a decade speed up that the pandemic was kind of like hitting the, you know, the speed up thing on Mario Kart, you know, where you just kind of take <laughs> off um, yeah, in, yeah. in this kind of societal trend of staffing. Yeah, yeah. And I do love, you know, the residual benefits of that. And, and you know, I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but the benefits to families yeah. and the overall benefit to um, to wholeness and wellness uh, to our our team members, to our employees, I think is is huge, and so I I love the fact that this modern way to think of staffing, modern staffing, is becoming a real conversation. And thrilled that you know you're at the helm of of starting that and continuing to open up other companies who may feel like that was something great when we had to do it. Is it something I want to continue? You know, there are large companies in Atlanta that I've talked to that they realized pretty quickly they were already moving towards a a more decentralized office type environment where maybe Mm -hmm. they didn't have dedicated space. You know, Chick-fil-A and their corporate offices had made a big move in the like kind of five years prior to the pandemic of changing their whole office situation and the way that they engaged in work. And um, I've heard rumors. I don't know that I can go on record saying it's totally true or not, but like I don't know that they plan and a lot of other companies ever plan to have all of their staff back in office again. And I think so much of the idea of thinking about hybrid or modern working and staffing solutions, it's it's flexible. Like flexible is the word that really defines it. And it's Mm -hmm. looking at the roles and asking, hey, what's required? What's needed? And how do we solve this problem in the the best way? Because that's going to open us up to the best talent possible. Because what we're seeing, if we've moved to 50%, I don't know. I have no way of predicting how far that number is going to go. But at the very least, right now, if you hire for an in-person role, you've already disqualified half of the workforce. Wow. Yeah. So the quality of the staff that you can hire is half as good as it was before when it comes from just like a pure percentage standpoint. And so you're really limiting yourself if you don't imagine and reimagine the new and different ways to staff for your business. Doesn't mean every role can be remote. There's obviously things that require in person. You know, I come from an event background. Obviously, you have to be in person to produce a live event or whatever it might be. 
But I, I do think that really asking that question of what can be virtual, what can be remote, the gig economy was something we were seeing before the pandemic, and that has sped up as well. So in a lot of different industries, for a while, it was mainly just creatives. But now you're seeing it in fractional CFOs, and you're seeing it in all yeah. sorts of different types of roles, bookkeepers, you know, website specialists, the whole thing, more technical roles are becoming gig-based, 1099-based, you know, able to hire, you know, fractionally or remotely or both. Yeah, yeah. I think it really opens up the talent pool. Um, if you're opening up to not a specific state, city, region, you know, that opens up yeah. a talent pool. And we could have a whole other podcast on just cost savings. Yes, the CFO is talking about cost savings. Um, <laughs> but, you know, if you only have to have office space for 50% of your team because you've created uh, flexible workspaces, uh, you have more money to pay your team you know, yeah. uh, to find talent that you might not have been able to reach before or, you know, be able to, to help your bottom line uh, as you choose. And so, of course, I'm going to say this, but I, I don't see a downside. Yeah, I don't see a downside at all. <laughs> you know, I, it's funny. I, um, I have written here in my notes as I prepared for today kind of four things that, you know, kind of four of the things that when I, I did a talk at a conference a couple of weeks ago and I had a whole list of 10 and I kind of picked four of my favorites um, and you kind of yeah. just hit on a few of them, like, you know, because to me, the the cost effectiveness of a staff, a remote staff is a huge one. You know, a lot of people don't know this, but the employee burden cost on average for companies is 23% of what their salary is. And yeah. that goes to things like office space or snacks or other, you know, when I was at North Point, uh, we were portable, we didn't have offices. And uh, they ran a report that had the people who spend the most money on eating out like, and I, I always was having meetings, but I was in the top five on that report pretty regularly um, wow. to a point that I got a reputation and uh, I wasn't going <laughs> to crazy meals. Uh, we were doing a lot of fast meals, um, but it was just a lot of them. And, you know, and I just realized, man, North Point saved a lot of money, not just my salary when I left. They also saved that kind of employee burden cost as well. Sure. Yeah. All right. Well, well give us, you, you teased us. I want to know what's, <laughs> what are some other more? Yeah, uh, no, I think um, in addition to that cost effectiveness, you also have like the productivity. You know, there was a study done a few years ago um, that they sent people home and this was in a call center. But I do think these ideas kind of extrapolate over different types of roles as well. But work from home, they sent people home for nine months um, and all the studies showed that they were 13 percent more productive. They took fewer breaks. They had less sick days and they made more calls per minute, all while reporting higher levels of job satisfaction and retention. And yeah. I just think if you're, if you're anything like me, you know, you were forced into, and this is not true for you, Elsie. It is for me. Yeah. At the beginning of the pandemic, I was forced into remote work immediately. Yeah. And yeah. I had, I had had a few remote employees at that time, just because we had to in, innovate in the way that we staffed leading up yeah. to that. But I found myself just getting so much done in those first few days. Oh Yeah. And I was just like, wow, this is unbelievably productive. And, you know, we engaged really quickly in tools like Slack and other type of project management tools that really equip you to work mm -hmm. with people that are not face-to-face -face all the time. But it really did, it promoted productivity. So, yeah, I know I had kind of cost-effective and productivity was one of the kind of benefits to businesses that we're seeing that are kind of definitively kind of laid out. Well, I mean, is that yeah. something you saw when you came to Belay a long time ago? You know, like yeah. uh, how, and you're kind of the numbers person, like how have you seen that play out? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I was going to tell a quick story. It's going to date me, but you know, what you were talking about is that productivity piece. So my, my son, who's my firstborn was born uh, late 2000. 
And I can remember uh, working for an organization and they give, you know, get, handing out laptops for the first time. They had docking stations, you know. And I remember thinking, oh, how cool, right? Like I could bring home my laptop and work. And then I was um, fortunate that I worked for a very progressive wealth management company who started to say, well, why don't you just spend the morning at home and get some things done? It was on dial-up back in the day. But almost immediately, I think it... <laughs> I don't want to dumb it down, but I think I became more productive because I felt like my company trusted me more and they were treating me like an adult. So it wasn't, I wasn't looking for ways, let me just take another break because I know so-and-so is probably looking at his desk at me. I feel like it was just a mind shift that I had all this trust and uh, I was being treated like an adult and I wanted so badly to show them how much I appreciated the opportunity that I went above and beyond where I don't, gosh, I hate to say that now, that's sort of embarrassing, but I don't know why I would have done that had I been no. in the office. And so I, I think probably there's some, um, you know, psychologist out there who's done research on this that I haven't read, but that really says like, when you're given an opportunity that maybe isn't common or that the person who's giving it to you is going out on a limb, you feel like an obligation to do a better job. And so I feel like that to me, all the way back in 2000, I mean, I started to see that. Um, I ended up taking time off of work. I, I decided that I, I really wanted to serve my family, felt like God had led me to do that. And then it just, belay made sense. And I think that as I look at the thousands, and, and I don't want to give away secrets, but the thousands of folks that we have apply to our jobs every month, oh. I, I feel like that's what they're looking for. They're looking for that trust. And I feel like they're really wanting to work pretty doggone hard. It's not because they want to slack off and, and get paid not to do a job. I think they just want to be treated like an adult and trusted. And, um, and they're going to prove everybody wrong who thinks that you can't do good from home. Well, and I, you know, obviously we both work at Belay and we believe in this product, but that's, you know, we say all the time that it's harder to become a Belay virtual staff member than it is to get into Harvard yeah. because of, of how low our hiring rate is versus how many people are, are, are um, applying. And I think yeah. what we see with that, and the stats show this, is that people who are trusted, mm -hmm. they give you more time than what you pay them for, almost always. Yeah. <laughs> and that's especially yeah. true in the virtual environment is, uh, you know, the more you trust these, the kind of virtual staff, remote staff, the more likely they are to give, go above and beyond time and time again. All the stats are showing that. So I'm not surprised to hear yeah. that's true in your, your experience. I will tell you one of the other kind of kind of benefits to businesses is the long-term retention. And I think that is kind of what you're talking about is you mm -hmm. feel trusted. So you want to stay longer. I think that yeah. kind of, it kind of jumps into a couple of different reasons. I think the first is when we give people more flexibility, we trust them. They're more likely to stay committed to an environment for longer. Right. At the same time, virtual staff, fractional staff, hybrid staff, modern staff, however you want to say it, they really do give you the opportunity to hire some roles that maybe you couldn't before that then support staff that they wouldn't have otherwise. And I just yeah. really believe the name of the game moving forward, and you'll probably, I'll probably say this five more times before we're done, is that <laughs> the, the way to be successful in this landscape moving forward is to hire the very best people you can and do mm -hmm. everything you can to keep them. Yes. And yeah. I think we often look at, hey, should we pay them better? Should we have more better benefits? And I think all those things are really important. I think the I think we're going to see the landscape of work change pretty radically over the next few years as it, as it, we can all settle into this. But I do think one way that a lot of people are not thinking about is that how are we resourcing our high capacity leaders to be successful? 
Are we giving them a virtual assistant when all of a sudden you couldn't necessarily have a, you know, a full-time assistant in the office, you could have potentially a fractional assistant. You're giving them a little bit of time, a little bit of support, or have someone who's supporting multiple people or other types of roles that allow them to accomplish more faster. And all of a sudden you've given them the resources to be successful. And so they're more willing to stay longer term. At the same time, those virtual staff are willing to stay longer because you've given them flexibility. And if you use a solution like Belay, I I won't promise this is the last time I'll plug Belay, but maybe, (laughs) is, you know, unfortunately, my experience leading a pretty large team in my last role was the roles that had the highest turnover were the ones that were kind of most annoying to, to backfill. They weren't always those senior roles. You typically got a little more longevity. It was the like, oh gosh, I don't even know how to tell somebody how to do that over and over and over again. But, you know, if you use a solution like Belay, the continuity of service is kind of part of the process. It's part of the product that you're, you're kind of, you're, you're hiring, you're, you're buying. And so I really, I think that long-term retention is a huge value to a business by embracing new and modern ways of staff. that you just talked about like some of those harder to fill roles because we have seen it that a lot of and and I think you know I've read you know probably 10 articles on it here that you're seeing this sort of mass exodus in the workforce right now over those roles like retail service type roles right and I love the folks that fill these roles because they are so typically focused on client service. Like I would hire them for any role in a company. Yeah. Like I, I believe I can train you how to do anything, right? Yeah. But they want the flexibility. It's not so much, I mean, everybody wants to make more, let's be real. But it's not that they're leaving, you know, that job and looking to make double. They ha- they're happy with the job. They just want the flexibility. And so to your point, some of those harder to fill roles because there's typically more turnover is um, it doesn't have to do with always the salary. It has to do with that they just want to be maybe challenged a little bit more and they want some flexibility. And what I have found, I was talking with some friends of mine yesterday, is that when you are able to partner a virtual staff member with a leader who was looking to delegate, they're slowly but surely going to delegate higher in task. And that starts to elevate that person. And, and uh, you know, we've got some phenomenal stories that I, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but when people literally have left Belay um, with the leader that they were working with, they're now helping to run those businesses. And so I think that's a, I mean, gosh, what a cool story to talk about. I mean, our own CEO, Trisha. Yeah. Know, she started as a VA and then yeah. is now the, you know, the CEO of this unbelievable company. Yeah. You know, that really leads me to my kind of last of the, the ones that I wrote down here, but it's uh, leadership development. Mm. And I think that plays out in a couple different ways. One, you yeah. forces you to delegate. So that person that you hire, they take on more and more responsibility. You trust them more and more. You've developed them as a leader. Right. I think at the same time, one of the benefits I saw in my last role was, you know, uh, if you were anything like me, the the holy grail of leadership was getting to manage someone. Right. And it was like, oh, when am I going to get to lead a team or manage a person? And you have these young leaders that are pretty green. They're super high capacity. And you're trying to find steps for them to take in their leadership. And I really think being able to give them fractional 
support, whether it's, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, some sort of a, you know, gig economy type, you know, creative role, or it's a virtual assistant, it gives them some really low stakes management delegation experience that you can then coach them in a much safer way on how to manage people instead of just like, okay, well, here's a five person team and good luck with Susie. She's a real (laughs) doozy. You know, like, and I really think that being able to learn that skill when it's, when no one else is looking and then grow into that is going to help teams grow stronger over time. And you've created more smaller steps for your staff that mm-hmm. isn't just a new title or isn't just, okay, go lead this team now. It's like, hey, let's do that. Because what I have found with a lot of my friends, they actually really don't enjoy managing people. That's no. not what they're great at. Because yeah. honestly, leading the fun people is the most fun part of the job. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you can fill in the opposite of that well, from there. Oh, you know, right, like that right. ends up being the most stressful part of your day. And I really love, like, and I'm one of those people who like developing young leaders, helping people realize their potential learning how to adapt to an environment. That's like what gives me life. Like I love managing teams and developing people. But even then, like it is the most stressful part of your day when it's not good, you know, when it's bad. So I think that engaging in new and different staffing ways give you more cost-effective, safer ways to grow leaders. And then I'd say just like the third kind of point under leadership development for me is I found that when I had to move into a hybrid environment where I had some staff in person and some staff, you know, online or virtual or remote, it really brought a ton of clarity to what was important and what wasn't because leading people remotely forces you to be a better leader because you have to be clear. You have to set clear objectives. You have to engage with systems, whether it's, you know, KPIs or one sentence job descriptions or something that, you know, has really clarified how the, the staff wins, like what makes them winning in their job because you can't watch them every moment. And it also forces you to hire better because if you have somebody, you have to manage their time and be in front of them on yeah. Let's be honest. We all know this. They're not the person you should have hired anyways. Right. And so moving into a role like this, it elevates your leadership. And that's what I saw time and time again. And so anyway, those are some of the things that I have kind of written down of, of benefits for companies yeah. if they were to engage in that. And I think it's worth, it's worth considering. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I can see some folks right now saying, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get it. But on the other end, every leadership article that I pick up, um, you know, every podcast and blog I read is talking about culture. And so where does culture fit into this? If I'm doing this hybrid model, to your point, Ryan, where you've got some team members who are in your office and some who are not, how do you manage that? And how do you make sure that the the culture experience is consistent? I think culture is about consistency and clarity as much as it's about anything else. And I have found that having a hybrid staff forces you to be more clear, not less. And it forces you to be more intentional, not less. And the dividends that it pays are greater because of that, both in person and and online. I became a better leader in every aspect when I had to engage this way because it forced me to be laser focused. What I realized and I was really guilty of this. I, you know, I, um, I saw, I was doing a lot of creative work and mm-hmm. the gig economy was kind of five years ahead of this trend. Like people were like, oh wait, I can go work from home, work for seven different agencies and make five times what I'm making. Sure. And I, I had a hard time in discouraging someone from doing that. I'm like, well, yeah, I mean, you're right. You should, you should, I, I look at all the pros and cons. It makes sense. Um, but I was pretty hesitant. And so in the beginning, I like was like, hey, no, you still need to come to meetings, you know, be in person, you know, you can just do your work from home or whatever. 
But I really saw that over time, it became clear to me what was placating my leadership, what was culture. Sometimes culture was just, I wanted people to laugh at my jokes. <laughs> and it was like, oh, we're all around. The t- Look at us. We're all laughing. Great culture. Or like, I want them to yeah. lean in when I said something. And I realized pretty fast uh, that in, as all of us as leaders, it's our leadership we're evaluating and we're growing in self-awareness and all these things. But I realized that so much of my leadership actually was placating my personality, not something that was moving the needle with the staff that I was leading. And by moving into a hybrid environment, it just became crystal clear what worked and what didn't. What was staff members realizing, oh, wait, if I laugh at Ryan's joke, and I'm not, that's that's just a very you know low-level example. Sure, yeah. But I do love telling jokes, and I like people laughing <laughs> at them. Um, but, you know, like when people are buying into where we're going – it, it became really clear to me what worked and what didn't when we moved online. And I realized fast for me that so many of the things that I thought were important, nine times out of 10 had more to do with the way I wanted to feel about the team than the way the team felt. And yeah. so it forced me to reevaluate that. It forced me to ask questions. It forced me to engage with other people and really wonder and, and explore what works and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. And clarity, consistency, and definition of how to win how to be successful and having fun while you do it seemed to be way more important than, oh, look, we were able to go to lunch after that hard meeting. And now I feel better because I kind of had to give them a hard time because we didn't meet expectations here or whatever. Right, right. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's really good. I mean, you can't hide behind the vicinity that you're all in, right? Like you can't hide behind the fact that you just are all in the same room and that Sally isn't very happy with you right now, but you brought her a treat and you gave her a gift card and she should be happy now because that's not going to go very far. So um, I love that you touched on that. You know, I there are pros and cons of this in our culture, obviously. You know, I think uh, a more virtual exchange has decreased the quality of dialogue in our culture mm-hmm. in so many other places, political and, you know, all sorts of things in society. But in the context of the work environment, it just, it cuts through. And it's like, you know what? If Susie was in front of me, because we are humans, she's going to smile. And then I'm going to take that smile with, oh, look, we're better now. And then I'm going to not lean into the hard conversation. Right. And in engaging people virtually in a hybrid, flexible, fractional way, it really does push you to be a more self-aware, a more emotionally intelligent leader. And um, that was the biggest takeaway for me. And, and I think, you know, I think that that is a that is a really hard truth. And so it's much easier to go, well, we just all have to be in a room to feel good. I said, well, we all have to be in a room for you to feel good, not Ooh. for the employees to feel good. And I just yeah. I, I was so guilty of that time and time. again. I've actually gone back to my old team and I've apologized um, yeah. in some of the ways that I felt like, hey, gosh, I could have led better there. I'm really sorry. And um, because yeah. I, I realized moving, especially into this environment and through the pandemic, gosh, there was so much to learn so fast. And it just it, it was like putting those glasses on at the doctor's office and you're like, oh, I see it clearly now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that I think what you just said there is very powerful about let's getting, you know, everybody in a room is to make you feel better, not not them feel better. And that's uh, that's deep. And I think that's that's definitely worth repeating. Where do you see remote work Heading. Where do you think we go from here? Yeah. Can I tell a story? Can I respond yeah, to that question? I love with your a story? stories. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when I started my career at North Point, and um, for those who don't know, North Point is one of the most successful churches in America. It's one of the largest, and um, 
Andy Stanley is the lead pastor, and he's just a prolific writer, an unbelievable preacher. But honestly, his leadership and his content around leadership is some of the most inspiring stuff. Um, Don't want to promote another podcast over ours necessarily, but the Andy Stanley Leadership Podcast is just wonderful. Golden. Golden, yeah. Yeah, it's a a must-listen for me. But I... um, when I started at North Point, it was in the early 2000s, and I was the very first millennial hired at North Point. And oh. I guess that makes me an elder millennial. Um, <laughs> I think geriatric millennial is another one, oh which is gosh. how I feel some days now. Yeah. But I remember walking in uh, to my boss, his office, and um, he had a Harvard Business Review article on his desk on like my first day, and it was, How to Lead Millennials. Oh, and gosh, LZ, no. <laughs> Well, and Elsie, you probably remember this more than I do in some ways, but it's all anyone was talking about in the early 2000s. It was millennials are coming to the workforce and boy, do they stink. They're lazy and they're entitled and it's going to ruin everything. America is over. And I remember walking in and realizing, oh my gosh, I have an entire generation on my back that I have to represent. But the thing that I saw through my boss and through the people at North Point was a willingness to lean in because they recognized that embracing this cultural trend was Mm -hmm. not an option that they had. Sure. And for them to be successful in the future, they had to change the way that we engage with staff. We had to find ways to coach and help people adapt. You know, but I remember several weeks into my job, looking at my calendar, not having a meeting. And I just texted my boss and said, we both had the very first iPhone. And so we thought we were cool. And yeah. I texted him. And I was like, hey, I don't have any meetings today. I'm going to work from home. I didn't ask. I just told him. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out, not how I should have done that, but he was unbelievably gracious. We had a conversation about it. But it was one of those things that in my mind, I was like, well, why would I drive all the way there if sure. there was no reason? I can do it here. I'd never not had a laptop. You know, so like right. <laughs> that idea. Okay, I was like, well, you, you just aged me. <laughs> uh, you know, um, we did it home like as a child, but like my, you know, my very first computer was... Sure. 17 inch power book, you know, and that was before Macs were cool. But, you know, I, I saw this, this societal trend and, and for our listeners who remember this, they remember it. It's all anyone was talking about. And I think we are in a watershed moment just like that. Now mm-hmm. we are in a moment where the landscape of, of staffing, the landscape of the, the type of talent that you can attract and how you attract them is radically changing. And you have two options. You yeah. can move forward and learn and change and adapt, or you can, Put it on the list of reasons why your business is harder to do than everybody else's. Yeah. And I just really think that we're going to see this. I don't think the number is going to go down. I think it's going to go up. I think flexible yeah. and different types of versions. is it, it, we're, we're in a very unsettled part of this, in my opinion, in the industry. Mm-hmm. But just like when millennials entered the workforce, and I'm sure there's a story before that that I don't know. And it's funny because I, I have a staff member now who's right out of college and it feels like eternities of distance between. So I was the young person for so long and now I do not feel that way anymore. Well, I can tell you this. I'm part of the generation that brought about uh, casual Fridays. Ooh. So that was like revolution. Like nobody wanted to, I mean, you could not come to work in jeans. Like who do you think you are? And so not as big of a deal, but yeah, my generation was nobody was casual until casual Fridays. And, and uh, it, once again, another trend that, you know what, right. when people realized they could wear jeans to work, they were going to start prioritizing places that let them wear jeans. And now it's at, <laughs> now it's all sorts of stuff, right? Like, we, do, we don't even pants. need to talk about what pants I'm wearing right now. But the, uh, yeah. you know, I, I do think that that is where things are going and that is what we're going to have to figure out. Yeah. And for businesses to succeed, it's going to be attracting the very best talent you can, 
right? and doing everything you can to keep them. And if yeah. you can do that uh, without embracing remote work, good luck. I don't think that that's going to be an option for most businesses, though, moving forward. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Well, Ryan, thank you so much. You have uh, gifted us with incredible information today, and I know it's going to help our listeners. You know better than anyone else that we're doing this really cool thing these days, and that is we are offering bonus content for our listeners. And so uh, I know you've agreed to stick around and uh, help us record some bonus content for our listeners to hear. So hold on tight. And uh, for you out there who are listening, you definitely don't want to miss this question that Ryan and I are going to dive into. It's about the overlooked benefits of remote work. In order to hear that clip, you must subscribe to our email list. And we're going to send you a link to that content. Or you can visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you can find the link and our show notes. What a fun conversation with Ryan. Oh, I loved having him in the hot seat for a change. Now, as you know, every week we offer one next step for our listeners. Head to the show notes page for today's episode to access today's hybrid workforce management resource and take the first next step towards elevating your business. Well, thank you guys so much for tuning in for this week's One Next Step. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And if you're ready to start accomplishing more and juggling less, go to belaysolutions.com. Join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you advance your business one step at a time. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com. 